platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. This is a special edition of BizTalk. I'm Lily Liu. From lunar rover to deep ocean submarine, the saga of China's sci-tech innovation continues to unfold. Over 10 years into the nation's innovation-driven development strategy, China saw its ranking in the Global Innovation Index jumping from 34th in 2012 to 11th of last year. So how has innovation changed our lives? What does China's innovation-driven development mean for the world? And in light of disrupting international conditions, what is China doing to accelerate its self-reliance in science and technology? Joining me today are our guests, Professor Gai Kekua from the School of Cyberspace, Science and Technology, Beijing Institute of Technology. Great to have you, Professor. And also Mr. Lu Gang, co-founder of Beyond Expo and who's also founder and CEO of TechNode. Well, gentlemen, great to have you on the show. Let me start with this question. From your perspective, how important is innovation on China's path towards modernization? Can I start with Professor Guy, please? Yeah, for sure, of course. Uh, well, I think it, definitely this is very important. As we know, um, China has been working on restructuring its economy, trying to have more high-tech products or new business models in the global supply chain. The logic is very clear. Innovation is playing a very important role in, in helping China to hold better positions in global business competitions. Uh, in my opinion, there, um, there, there are few ways for tech and, and innovation driving China's economic growth. First, tech innovations is a direct path to, to having more competitive products. For example, we we not already have a lot of high quality 5G uh, or AI relevant products and some of them are leading the market. Second, the development of tech and innovation also benefit education. Uh, we know talent is always a key topic in economic growth. We try to, we have tried to have a broader application pool so that it will be helpful for talent, talent development in specific fields. Finally, those high tech, for example, space technology, Mm-hmm. or set a network will benefit silver use as well. Uh, new products will appear along with those high-tech developments. Thanks. Uh, Lu Gang, uh, you work in science, uh, in a science startup, and from your work uh, at Beyond Expo, you talk to science startup companies all the time. From your own work and experience, why do you think uh, tech innovation is important for China's own modernization path, and also how do you think tech innovation can drive China's growth? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me here. China has a long, long history. We have the world's biggest, the largest population. Um, and also, if you look at all the industries, we have uh, you know, lots of uh, sort of traditional industries. I think how to keep up the pace of modernization. I think the only way to do that is through the technology. And so I think we need technology to kind of disrupt the traditional business, you know, you know which we have been working on that for you know, many, many years. I think we have to change the way we are doing the business. I think we have to embrace the power of technology. Then but on, on the other side, we also, we are looking forward and there are so much new kind of unknown area it will require us to move faster, you know, like space technology, you know, everybody talking about metaverse. So I think these are maybe we're looking at 10 years, 20 years ahead, which obviously we need the technology as well. So 
I think that it's a huge market. We have a huge population, and we have a huge, really diverse industry to take care. I think the technology is become very important to us. You're absolutely right. I mean, that is part of the great achievements that China has achieved. Actually, in recent years, China has achieved significant strides in critical fields, and they include space exploration, as Professor Guy mentioned, including deep sea and then deep earth probes, supercomputers. Uh, we have many great projects like that that allows you know uh, supercomputing powers and then satellite navigation um, quantum information nuclear power technology new energy technology aircraft manufacturing and biomedicine i'm just naming a few of the major uh, areas and china became the third country to have a permanent presence in space after the launches of the shenzhou 13 14 and 15 spacecraft in 2022 and most recently the c Nine one nine passenger airplane. That's China's, China's first domestically developed large passenger aircraft. Took flight. We're so proud of that, of course, uh, as Chinese. Uh, my question to you next is: uh, Let me start with Professor Guy. How do you evaluate China's tech and innovation strategies and stages over the past decades? Uh, well, I think there have been a lot of uh, great improvements and uh, achievements made in the past decades. If we look at the whole history. Uh, of China's tech and innovation development, we can easily find that we have a clear development route. Uh, in the past, we used to have so many shortages in many tech domains. Um, that means we had to develop multi-tech step by step with the well plan. We have like five-year development planning strategy, like every five years. So, so this can ensure uh, the steps of tech and innovation development uh, will be neither uh, like too fast not too limited. So a well-planned and organized development strategy can, can actually help us to fully utilize the limited resources to achieve our objectives. Some specific technologies are deemed as bottleneck technologies. Um, well, another thing I want to mention is talent strategy again mm -hmm. for me. Um, I remember uh, we started uh, significantly strengthening the, the size of higher education uh, to have more professional, uh, more professionals uh, for all fields uh, like engineers that 20 years ago. Now we, we can see a large group of professionals mm -hmm. uh, have become major force in tech and innovation. That's a very big success. Nowadays, actually, we have a lot of global collaboration. Uh, on campus, we see a lot of international students uh, studying in, in Chinese universities. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the point that China is contributing to. Uh, to other countries, uh, you know, talent uh, development system, uh, and in our country, actually, we have a lot of collaboration, uh, a, a lot of opportunity of uh, collaborating with other universities, or other countries. That's one of the, uh, you know, our the concept of shared future. Thanks. Yeah, great. And also, Lugan, what is your input on that? What do you think are the advantages of developing tech and innovation here in China? Um, I think I think what we what we have, as I mentioned, probably China, you talk about the, the technology, I think China probably is a kind of, you know, paradise for the applications. You know, how we can, when we talk about technologies, um, it's always two parts, uh, academic part and also the application part. Mm -hmm. I think for China, because we have, we have a such a market here, we have very diverse industry here. So we are so, in, I think in the past like 10 years, like all the you know the different layer of the societies 
and the government um, and education systems, I think everyone is so welcome the applications. So I think we, you know, we adopt technology, we find a way to deploy it. And also we can also find a way to commercialize the, the technologies. I think that's the kind of advantage um, in China. And that's why I think probably that's the key parts uh, we are kind of ahead of uh, in, some, in some sectors. Mm -hmm. Have a large based market that is steadily growing. That is all very yeah, important yeah, because it's, uh, it's, uh, we are really open to trying everything. I yes. think that's the big part. From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is Biz Talk. We know that China's modernization not only benefits China but also provides new opportunities to the world. How do you think China's innovation can help the world uh, in solving pressing issues like energy shortage, climate change, or food crisis? Well, from tech thinking. Um First, uh, we, we, we do have a lot of su successful experience during the process of developing modernization, sharing some experience or knowledge for a better future is a way for China to help uh, others power up innovations. Uh, well, uh, China is open to uh, collaborate with other nations, uh, uh, as I know, available in multiple fields, uh, from business cooperation to high-tech development. Uh, from collaboration, China is seeking a win-win mode for benefiting all partners or involvers rather than com uh, competing with each other. Yes, definitely a win-win uh, situation in, in there. And also, Lugan, based on uh, your communications with those technology startups, I'm sure many of them, they are trying to tap into a certain sector by starting with a very small angle probably, but they think big because that small technology could help to do their own contribution in solving some pressing issues that's facing all of us globally. What is your view on that? First of all, I think for Chinese company, we're more confident you know, to, to bring our technology 
to the overseas market. I think that you know maybe 20 years ago when we talk about, I mean, just from you know what we see in the tech industry, you know what we can what we can do, what we did best is like the gaming, mobile gaming. Like mm -hmm. you have a lot of good game company, but now if you look at the so-called true high, like you know company, you know Chinese company going abroad, I think we are look at the we have uh, you know we have agriculture, we have healthcare. We have many, many IoT, you know, smart home. We have all these, of course, like phone, you know, microchip. I think all these industry, we are ready to go abroad. I think what we have is we have technologies. You know, we, I think for Southeast Asia, Middle East, you know, in Africa, they are also welcome our team, you know, Chinese companies, you know, to do business with them. I think that's the, I think that's the dramatic change of what we've seen in the past, you know, uh, many years. And also, just want to um, add one more point, uh, as you just said, I think for Chinese, maybe I think probably that's something to do with our education system as well. I think for Chinese and um, like startup founders or entrepreneurs, we are, I think from what I we see, you know, we are so um, ambitious, you know, from day one, like we started with tiny things, but maybe from day one, we're looking at the global market instead of only China only. I think that's the, I think that's our amazing part, um, you know, from what we see. Mm, great point there. Now, as uh, I mentioned earlier, we know that China jumped from uh, number 34th to the 11th place between 2012 and 2022. That's only 10 years on the Global Innovation Index, making it the best performing middle income economy. And by year 2022, China has spent over 3% of its GDP on research and development, making it the world's second highest spender on R&D. And the nation does not merely focus on funding innovation. It also considers how innovation can be meaningfully transformed into benefits for the society and the economy. Now, as the world's largest developing country and also the highest ranking developing country in terms of that global innovation uh, index, what experience do you think can China's innovation offer to other developing economies and also broader the world? Professor Guy. Uh, research collaboration. It's a mainstream nowadays. We are living in an age of knowledge booming. It's almost impossible for a single country to keep and develop the entire system of science and technology if we consider the whole innovation chain, such as theory, exploration, and on-ground implementation. Uh, the other side I want to mention is in collaboration is that already innovation often relies on the business cooperation. Uh, it reminds me that the experience of China in, in the efforts of transition from made in China to create, create in China uh, even though China had a very big success from made in China in the past, uh, but China didn't stop the pace in exploring the way of creating in China. And also, Lu Gang, what more do you think should be done to support and encourage the development of innovation? All the players in the ecosystems, um, I think we should uh, probably we should try harder. It's an ecosystem, so which means we have different players play different role in the ecosystems. You know, which involve the government the society, the venture capital, the startups, like all the players. Mm -hmm. I think the, all the Chinese entrepreneurs, they, they know how to, work in, you know, how to work hard you know, towards their goal. But I think we need, probably what we want to do is we need to be more kind of creative um, you know, on many things. Because to do our startups, we, we need technology, but we also need the creativities. 
Uh, I think that's probably that's something we're still missing. Um, we should learn. Mm -hmm. Professor Guy, what would be your piece of advice on, on that question? What more can be done? Well, from the uh, from the perspective of the college or university, I think we we need more uh, guides from the central government. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, we have a lot of reforms on it. Uh, we should know like what kind of uh, uh, research uh, is the key for our nation. That's very important. Uh, if we consider the business or you know the um, uh, enterprise, I think we we should uh, fully utilize our economic system like the. Uh, we have the planned uh, economy, and actually we have mixed. So, so this actually the uh, the guide from the government is very important for for commerce. Uh, uh, in my opinion, and and, and based, on, based on this, uh, what what we need to do uh, at the beginning is that we need to understand uh, what kind of technology is the, the technology is the one we really need, mm -hmm. uh, and after that we we should have some investments on on those technologies that we really need based on the demands. This is definitely an ecosystem that needs collaboration from different parties uh, that are involved in this. And uh, in, in order to do that, China actually has placed significant emphasis on IP protection, and it has built a robust ecosystem for innovation. Uh, so over the past decade, China has become home to the world's greatest cohort of R&D personnel. And China's Ministry of Science and Technology said that a number of science and technology workers in the country has reached over 6 million in year 2022. That's doubling from slightly over 3 million in 2012. That's about 10 years uh, earlier. And within a decade, China went from accommodating 49,000 high-tech enterprises to 400,000. A great jump there. And today, there are 97 national high-tech zones generating over 100 billion yuan in yearly revenue throughout the entire country. Lu Gong, from your perspective, what are technology companies? What can companies do to foster more technology talents? I think we see many Chinese companies, they have great technology, they have great, great goal, and also they have great pro product. But mm -hmm. But somehow they cannot. They are not that attractive to the global like talents. Um, you know, come to join us. I think the only be just because they are the way they are working in the past is um, they have to embrace more like international kind of working styles. And they also they, they need to talk kind of international language. I think that's the kind of key to be more global for the Chinese companies. I think that also about if we have more international talent to come to join us, that will also help us the Chinese company to build their brands, to improve their product, to localize products, um, you know, to the global. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Uh, let me move on to our next topic. I want to talk to Professor Guy. This is um, 
a quite pressing issue that is the rising tension between China and the United States and a more complex global environment. We're seeing the U.S. imposing technology sanctions on many foreign technology companies, mainly in China, targeting China, and restrictions in tech firms doing business with Chinese firms. Many Chinese companies in the U.S. have been targeted, for instance, TikTok and then the semiconductor industry. What is your comment on that? I mean, the U.S. think maybe it would be supporting the U.S.'s you know, self-reliance on technology technology and innovation. But I mean, if we look at the global picture, cooperation is the key now in, in developing anything, any technologies or any business. Do you think that would be a major pre putting on a great hurdle for the global innovation progress? Oh, well, this is a very uh, complicated thing. Now, uh, nowadays we see, we often see a lot of one made by uh, other countries from the perspective of the, the tech and the innovation. Uh, for me, it's just like game theory playing between two players. Uh, uh, I think that we, what we need to do is uh, uh, is focusing on our own job. We uh, we actually need to have our own science and technology development plan. Uh, we need to figure out which technology is okay and develop the technology uh, the step by step. We uh, we actually shall do the R and D work uh, at our pace uh, without impacts from others. Um, for example, one of the major jobs of China is to uh, translate from made in China to create in China. That's not only call. Uh, actually, there are uh, there are lots of jobs to do. Uh, having a technology only a start. It's only one side. We uh, actually need to understand the needs in specific fields, improve the existing business model, uh, and, and even create new models. Thanks. Professor, uh, let me follow up on, on that. How far do you think we are uh, you know, from achieving technology self-reliance? Uh, what efforts is needed, especially for China, to break through in key areas, key technologies that are dominated by Western economies now? Well, it depends. I think we, uh, we have already made efforts on, on multiple fields and, and achieved many breakthroughs over decades. We know uh, in the past we have, uh, we have invested a lot uh, either like financially or by making po uh, like benefit policies. So considering the way of breakthrough in key technologies, uh, normally there are two common ways. First, uh, we, uh, we, we can make efforts on the existing technology paths like a follower. So in this way, uh, there is uh, uh, less risk uh, because other, others already prove the correctness. Uh, second, we can create a new technology path following uh, our own demands. So this is an option that we are trying to explore more uh, like today. So achieve these two ways, China uh, has made efforts on offering benefit policy, uh, financial supports, talent pools, uh, also developing ecosystem as we mentioned, mm -hmm. encouraging global cooperation and building up active business environment. Luga, I want to get your take on that. Uh, what do you think of this impact from uh, geopolitical issues? And do you think that would be one thing that Chinese technologies, uh, technology firms going global would take into consideration when they make an important business decision? We have to face the fact is there are still, you know, in, in some sector of the tech industry, we are still behind the, the number one in the world, you know, in the world. So which means we need to catch up uh, as well, because we are very good, but we are not really good at everything. So which means, which can basically to push us to try harder 
because uh, we've been trying very hard, but we need to try harder in some space. So I think I think on the other hand, is I think it's, you know, what we learn from this is instead of focus on China, the China market only, we have to push ourselves to be more active in the international market as well. I think that's why I think we have. So what do we see? Just give an example. What do we see? Actually, we said we have so much very good technologies, world class technology in China, but they tend to, you know, outside China, they're not that much of uh, like medias. They have good coverage about the Chinese technology, even they are the super great. You know, we we do. There are so many good Chinese companies. Their names still unknown to the rest of the world. I think there are, I mean, there's so much kind of information gap between that. I think we need to be more active, um, you know, to bring our technologies and to tell the the world we do have technology can benefit um, everyone. And an interesting uh, perception is that a lot of people in the Western world, they think that China cannot innovate. Professor Guy, what would you have to say to that? Oh well, this thinking for me is not even worth debating. Mm-hmm. Um, every nation has its in, in innovative abilities. Uh, China has made a lot of efforts and made uh, already made many breakthroughs. That's no doubt. For improvement, in my opinion, I believe that the concept of the innovation shall be different from the new. Uh, the in, the innovation shall be aligned with our nation's demands. So therefore, I want to mention two suggestions. Now, personally, I think that the first shall be uh, developing bottleneck technologies. Probably that's a long way to go. We already discussed it a lot. Uh, on the other side, uh, we, we need to improve the talent architecture to ensure well, we have sufficient talents for matching different uh, needs on the different levels, actually. We, uh, we need professionals for, for all careers on different levels not only scientists, but also specialists and skilled workers in, uh, in certain fields. So this, of course, is a misconception. We, we, I think we all agree on that. And Lugan, why do you think people would have that con- concept and have that idea that they don't think that China can innovate? We used to have like made in China means cheap, but low qualities. But now, you know, if you look at the Chinese products, it's still cheap, but it's a high quality. I think that's the we need to educate. I think more people should understand that. Um, the, 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 the second, um, I think it's also to do with the definition of innovation. Because uh, when we talk about innovation, actually it's not like 100% about technology, like 100% about like high technologies. There were even a tiny thing could be innovative as well. So it's, a, it, it's not necessary really to the high technology as well. I think the one, you know, SMS, we use a lot, uh, so I think that's the lots of innovation come from based on SMS as well, which can benefit the African market. Great advices. Thank you so much, gentlemen. And with that, uh, I want to thank you both again. Our guest of the day, Professor Guy Koko from the School of Cyberspace Science and Technology, the Beijing Institute of Technology, and Mr. Lu Gang, who is co-founder of Beyond Expo and founder and CEO of Techno. Thank you so much for staying with us on this CGTN special edition of BizTalk. I'm Lilulu in Beijing. Till next time, bye for now. <laughs>